It's Film Friday. We got our third African-American genie, but this one isn't blue, and he's never broken a backboard. Hello to all you cinephiles, film nerds, and movie aficionados. Welcome to Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks. I am the host, Jay Starks. Thank you so much for coming back, for rocking with me, for letting me enter your brain, you know, through the audio experience. I appreciate it. <laughs> Welcome, guys. This is episode 1066. Yes, six. We're on episode six. Man, these things are flying, guys. So, yeah, welcome to episode six. It's going to be a good one, guys. I don't know if you listened to uh, the last episode. If you did, thank you so much. Thank you for liking, sharing, following, rating, reviewing, you know, and just supporting. I greatly, I actually really do appreciate it. So, the last one, Mission Impossible for the Intermission, we talked about this week's episode and man i was excited guys i'm trying to contain my excitement now this week uh we're watching i've i've wanted to see this for a while because this movie i know the past episodes have all been 2023 films that's not necessarily going to be the official way we do it some of these films like i said as long as it's the first it's the first time that i've seen the film then the review will happen, you know, so it might be an older film that I've never seen. So, you know, the sky's the limit. But this one actually came out in 2022. So this is why I I, I, I have the excitement within me. OK, today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be watching 3000 years of longing. Yes, I have it queued up right now on my TV. So as soon as I finish with this, we're going to go get started and just hopefully enjoy the hell out of this movie. Let me tell you why I'm, I'm excited about this film, guys. OK, you ready for this? Three names. Three. One, George Miller. Two, Tilda Swinton. And three, Idris Elba. Or Idris. I'm not sure. I need to. I wonder how he says it. Either way. Yes. Idris. Idris. If you're if you happen to be listening to this, then by all means, you know, just just let us know, uh, you know, send me an email on what the the correct enunciation of your name is. So anyway, but seriously, guys, I cannot get <laughs> I cannot wait to watch this one. Three thousand years of longing was released in 2022. It is rated R 108 minutes. So the kiddos, you know, I don't know, maybe they were able to watch it. Depends on your parenting style. I'm not judging. Judgment free zone at flicks and scripts. OK, guys. So drama, fantasy and romance. Ooh, yeah. I'm reading this off of IMDb Pro. So this is not I did not make that up. This is what it's listed as. So let's go ahead and get our, our log line read here. So <clears throat> let me prepare my 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 vocals here. <clears throat> a lonely scholar on a trip to Istanbul discovers a djinn who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. Hooray. Okay, that's nice and simple. Love it like a log line should be. So let's go ahead and um, we'll break down our film that we're watching because this is the pre-production segment. So we're going to do it like we normally do it. So we're going to give some of the key cast and crew that are associated with it. And maybe some little factoids trivia about said people. So let's get rocking. So as I mentioned already, this was directed by George Miller. Yes, that George Miller. As in Mad Max, George Miller. Yes, indeed. So George Miller has a fairly new one. 2022 cannot wait. So that's like I said, the first reason I'm excited. But it also appears as though he it was written by him as well, as in addition to Augusta Gore, A.S. Byatt, and was based on a short story, The Djinn in the Nightingale's Eye. Hmm. Now, unfortunately, he's not telling me on IMDb who the by is from, like who the short story is for. If I find that out, then I'll, you know, maybe give that at the end. But I don't want to hold this up 
too much longer. So anyway, uh, and of course, as usual, George Miller always typically produces most of his stuff, I believe. So he's also a producer as well. Tilda Swinton is here's our, our top build cast. Tilda Swinton. Oh, yeah. And Idris Elba. So Idris is playing the gin, not as in the uh, the clear floral nectar that you drink with tonic and lime gin as in d j i n n that gin as in a genie so anyway so yeah so he's playing the gin and tilda swinton's character i might this is pre-production segment haven't watched the film or trailer so i might mess his name up but it looks like her name is alethea we'll see we'll see if that if that was correct so that's our top two build there are some other actors in here of whom i'm not 100 percent familiar with it does however look like sabrina elba who i believe is his daughter is maybe maybe not i don't know now i'm curious is this his daughter because didn't i thought for the beast which i've not seen that he did i thought that he had his daughters in there but now oh this is his wife that is awesome fantastic so sabrina dowry maybe so sabrina dowry elba cool i've never i haven't seen anything with her that's fantastic that's cool i'm excited okay anyway so she's playing a british council lady or slash the watcher so yeah that's our top build cast uh going get into some of our crew work oh sorry in case you're not familiar with the amazing tilda swinton i you know i gotta be honest i've not seen the film that she has not impressed me in i'm and i i mean that 100 percent. she is so good it's ridiculous she was in michael clayton snowpiercer where she was the the one with the glasses and she was speaking for the president of the train in case you ever saw snowpiercer she was in Suspir suspiria like i Oh, man, she just upsets me. She was in man, so many Asteroid City, which I've not seen yet. But she was in Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It goes on the French Dispatch. She's just so good. It's ridiculous, guys. So I, I cannot wait to see what she does. And she's an amazing character actor as well, too. I believe she was in a... What was the the one with George Clooney and it had to do with the the Coen Brother film as well too? She was in there. She did a really good job. Where because, like, generally speaking, she's good, but whenever she does her characters, they they just enthrall me, man. I I'm sorry. I'm going on and on and on and on and on. So Hail Caesar, by the way, that was the name of the Coen Brother film with. George Clooney, she did an amazing job. And she did a kind of crazy character. Love Tilda Swinton. Can't say enough about her. And I mean, come on. Let's, let's Idris Elba, Mr. Elba. Like, what? What? Like that, once again, this is a person who I feel can do no wrong from an acting standpoint. I've seen most or pretty much um a lot of his bigger movies, should I say? And don't don't Come at me, guys. I know I'm about to say something that might be <laughs> a faux pas, but I have not seen Luther yet. I know. I know. And it's not because I wasn't aware of it. It's because, like, I'm a, I prefer films, and then sometime I'll occasionally watch a TV show to catch up, and normally if I'm watching it, I didn't watch, like, Seinfeld till years after it was off air. So I'm normally late to the TV party. So don't don't come at me guys but um Idris Elba man like he was in he did the voice of Knuckles in case you watch that Luther as I said the TV show and also the Fallen Sun film which I haven't seen he was also in Thor he was uh Heimdall so Thor the guy with the gold that opened up the rainbow bridge all of that stuff Suicide Squad I mean now I did not see Cats and I don't think I plan to unless somebody one of my friends really enjoys it and you know what how about this if y'all want me to watch and review cats with a friend or just by myself follow me on 
Instagram. Uh, follow Flicks and Scripts on Instagram. Email me Flicks and Scripts the podcast at gmail.com. And and if anybody tells me to watch Cats, I will watch it only because it was requested. <laughs> oh my goodness! I hope I didn't shoot myself in the foot there. So anyway, yeah, I did not have Cats on my list, but hey, if, if if it's requested, I'll watch it. Okay. Uh, now, there was the movie that I wasn't the biggest fan of that he did was Fast and Furious, you know, the Hobbs and and Hobbs and Shaw. And it's because, as you've probably heard one of my previous episodes, I'm just over the Fast and the Furious franchise. I'm sorry. I'm just so done with it. <laughs> it's, anyway, so I saw bits and pieces of it while I was getting a haircut one day. And I was like, okay, he's like a superhero robot guy. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. So anyway, that's our three, that's our actors, our writer, director, producer. It looks as though cinematography was done by a Mr. John Seal. Let's see, you know, that's uh, a name he, oh man, so he did Mad Max Fury Road. So I'm already sold, already talented mr ripley he was camera op for that but he dp'd mad max fury road and i'm excited about that and it looks as though uh yeah the english patient wow yeah he's done a lot of stuff so i've seen that as well but let's talk about mad max fury road come on that that cinematography is ridiculous ridiculous and our production designer is roger ford roger ford let's see 3,000 years. Oh, he did The Chronicles of Narnia. He was a production designer on that one. Peter Rabbit, the, you know, both of them, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. I did not, no, I did see that. The production designer on that was actually really cool too. Peter Pan in 2003. So cool. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff, some stuff that I've seen. So that'll be interesting. And in case people are wondering, yes, I'm an actor and director or what have you, but I am, am heavily intrigued by production design because i do that for my films but also i work as an on-set dresser for feature films and commercials so that's why i'm always curious about who the production designer was let's see our editor is margaret sixel because i've realized i've been negating uh editors as well too so oh man editor and supervising editor on mad max sold happy feet Babe, Pig in the City, so also saw a lot of stuff from her, so that's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so last but not least, we're going to look at our composer, Tom Hokenborg, who also worked on Mad Max. He was a composer. Oh, what? What? Y'all, I'm sorry. This Tom Hokenborg is Junkie XL. My mind is blown. What? That's what? I didn't even know this is like, I know who Junkie XL is, but I did not know his actual name. Holy shit, guys. That is awesome. See, this is why this podcast is awesome. Like, I learned so much stuff, not only as a filmmaker, but it just, it just, man, I just love learning about films and the people that put stuff together. That is cool. Holy crap. Anyway. You heard it here, guys. I just learned something new. Thank you guys for um, listening for our pre-production segment. I hopefully hope you guys are in for the ride. As usual, coming up next, we have an intermission. So that's going to give, you know, some thanks. And yeah, after the intermission, we're going to go into our post-production segment where we're going to pretty much just talk about this particular film. Hey, folks, thank you so much for listening in on the first half of our pre-production segment for 3000 years of longing. Hopefully you guys uh, have enjoyed the previous episodes. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. Hopefully this episode is a lot better sounding and production wise than the uh, the the previous. Hopefully I just continue to get better. So share, follow me, you know, give me five star ratings, you know, all of that jazz. Let your friends know and come with me on this journey is hopefully i get better and better not only as a podcast but as a as a filmmaker as well 
And just the little sneak peek, guys. This is September. This is our last video of September. So we are complete. We have, excuse me, completed our first full month of flicks and scripts. Woo, man. So, yeah, there's a lot of me just talking to myself. <laughs> but seriously, I just want to give you guys a sneak peek. Next month is October. OK, if you're listening to this in real time, if you're listening to it, you know, in the future and not in order then that's because this is september 2023 next month is october 2023 so next month every year on instagram for about a year or two i believe i've been doing a 31 days of horror where i watch a horror movie every day and review it so more than likely i might be continuing with that on instagram under jay starks but i can tell you for sure for a certainty that Every single Friday in October, we will be doing a horror film every single day. So horror October is that that I, that just that flowed out decently considering I didn't practice that horror October. OK, I don't know. We'll, we'll play around with it. Let me know. But um, so thank you guys for listening. Do me a favor. What's kind of cool is what? Like, yes, I do have the four that I'll be doing for this particular podcast, but I do have, I don't know, math, 31 minus four, 27, right? I have 27 or is it 26? One of those 26, 27. Look, I, I, I'm a filmmaker and actor. OK, I'm not a mathematician, you know, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I would love to hear your recommendations. So if anybody's listening, do me a favor, email me. Or DM me, slide into my DMs uh, on Instagram for flicks and scripts on Instagram. Or you can email me at flicks and scripts the podcast at gmail.com. Email me if you have any films, horror films, that you would like me to review or look at. It could be from any country, subtitles, any time, etc. So let me know. Give me your opinion. So thank you guys. I know this was a little bit longer than our normal intermissions, but just wanted to give you all a little sneaky peek. And more importantly, this is the first official teaser for the first Friday of October. The first one we will be reviewing is something is wrong with the children. Yes. I have seen the trailer for that and creepy little kids. Oh, yeah, pretty much right up my alley. I think you said <laughs> you might have noticed that we already watched 10 and Tina. So that's kind of the thing. Little kids are freaky creepy. So, yeah, that's going to be the first one for October. But, yeah, seriously, email me. Let me know what you guys think of what I should watch for the Instagram review. And, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy the rest of this episode. Thank you, guys. And here's our post-production segment. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back, guys, gals, folks. Yeah, we just finished watching 3,000 Years of Longing. Hmm. I I have to, as you know, I, I don't write this stuff down, so I'm easing my brain into this. I, yeah, 3,000 Years of Longing, guys. Okay. Let's uh let's get into the breakdown, okay? So first of all, you should watch it. I'm that's that's just my opinion, right? You should watch it. It was definitely much more interesting than I initially thought it would be, and I mean that in a good way, whereas I went into it thinking one thing and it ended up being something else, but it was something else that I thoroughly enjoyed. So Let's uh let's get into a little bit of our breakdown here. So let's start off with our production design. So from a production design standpoint, absolutely lo loved it. Okay, they they did a little, very little globe trotting. You know, there was a in the beginning where the character Alethea, played by Miss Tilda Swinton, visits in Istanbul. And that 
area looked amazing. I'm not sure if they actually shot in Istanbul. Um, and sorry if I butchered that, that pronunciation. I apologize. But what I thought was cool um, from a production standpoint was that everything had this hmm cleanliness about it and and what what i mean by that is this i i feel as though it was very understated which of course is not a bad thing is is what's essentially supposed to happen you know i i feel for the most part production design should just feel like the place that the story that it that is trying to tell so i really like that i like the design of her hotel room which was nice because it was nice and roomy it had a clean feel but it still also had a little bit of a homey feel which i thought was nice because i think we probably stayed there for the first one third of the film something along those lines so it was nice inviting and it had a sense of depth and spaciousness, which I think worked, in my opinion, in two ways. One, it allowed us to stay in this room with these two characters for such a long time without it feeling claustrophobic. And then secondly, it also worked because of the Jin character, which whose name is literally Jin, played by Idris Elba because of especially when she first released him his size so you needed a a space and something that would accommodate said Jen without it looking like i mean if you've seen the film then he already looks kind of cramped in this space to begin with <laughs> because he's huge and i think with the size of the hotel room it helped it be less uncomfortable for us watching it you know and also allowed I guess more sizing up of his character or whatever. So really, really enjoyed the hotel area. And I, while watching it, I, I was wondering how long we were going to stay in the hotel room. And like I said, if you guys watched it or if you haven't watched it, the majority of the time was spent in the hotel room for the most part, which was interesting. I, I think I assumed it'll be more, moving around um with these two characters but it wasn't which is what i'm going to get into later with the story which is why i liked it so hotel room was cool the instant bull section was cool like the bazaar section that was awesome and even when they went to london to her flat i loved the uses of the greens and the open feel of even her flat that also kind of contradicted the hmm the hotel look that kind of you know that kind of white typical business look i thought that was pretty cool what i also thought was interesting from now moving on to the costumes was in the hotel room she was in her hotel room so of course she had white on like a robe and a hair towel but what i thought was interesting was this was the primary section in which her bright red hair was covered um because she has bright red hair and a lot of her clothing was kind of red almost this vibrant energy kind of feel that you have from the the men that you first see her character where she talks about her solitude and kind of how she's seemingly somewhat of a reserved person the Alethea character but yet her form of expression was this bright red you know so I thought that was an interesting an interesting choice I'm not sure why but I'm not complaining about it because I liked it you know and even once we get to the the when she goes back home to the UK, did she really stood out with this bright red and her fashion red and everything else with all the greens? So, yeah, that was pretty. It was interesting. It was cool. Uh, the oh, man, the 
I gotta admit, when during the bizarre scene, bizarre is my saying that correctly? Bazaar, bizarre. I think it's bizarre. Anywho, <laughs> B A Z A A R. I think that's how it's spelled. But yeah, I I I immediately thought like, oh man, because she said something about how many shops there were, and they had all these doodads and stuff. Where's where she picked up his bottle, the gin bottle. And I, I have recently discovered what, what they call it? Antiquing. Um, I was dating somebody, I was dating a girl years ago and she was like, we should go antiquing. I was like, I don't even know what the hell that is, but okay. And it was essentially you just go to, a, for those who don't know, you go to an antique store and you just, you kind of look around at all the cool old shit and you might pick up something you may not. But that's what antiquing is. And I was like, okay, this is interesting, and I guess. But I'm not going to say that I don't wake up and put on my to-do list to go antiquing. But if there's an antique store somewhere around and I have extra time, then Jay might do a little antiquing. Anywho, but while she was doing that, like I, that's what I was looking at and how much they filled that shop with beautiful ornamental glass and lamps and bottles. And that was pretty cool for me. Like just trying to figure out the selection process. I was like, Ooh, this is all cool. And, and I gotta be honest, I absolutely loved the blue and white, like hand blown glass bottle that Jen arrived in or, or, was trapped in or what what have you now no was i expecting like uh, uh disney's aladdin lamp no thank goodness but i wasn't expecting essentially his character can be housed essentially in almost any kind of container you know that can be kind of close is is my thoughts after watching it so it doesn't matter so i thought that was a nice little cool touch because if it was lamp i'd have been a little disappointed but i really liked the bottle the bottle was in fact it was one of the pieces i feel as though if i was shopping i would have definitely picked up that that blue and white bottle because it has this interesting look it's asymmetrical it, it it's to me it's perfect in its imperfection. So I thought that was a cool choice. So well done on whoever picked out that bottle. I know it might be a small thing. Other people might be like, oh, who cares? But that bottle, I just thought was a nice touch. And it also, what I also thought was a nice touch because of the uniqueness of the bottle was almost a, a, uh, a breadcrumb to the uniqueness of not only this story, but also the Jin character as well. So I felt as though it was reflective, even though that was like his third bottle that he was in or what have you. I thought that was really cool. Really, really cool. So, yeah. And earlier he was trapped in like a brass bottle that was kind of just, you know, it was nice. Don't get me wrong. But I feel as though the the blue and white really served to me the story and the imperfection of creativity and and all of this stuff so that was cool so that's kind of production design we did a quick little um splash on that that was in the real world what i thought was really cool so cool about this was the flashbacks the storytelling and in the opening narration she talks about storytelling and she's a never never narrator neurologist neurologist which i never heard of that word before um so that was cool that we kind of got like a little touch of that but man these flashback sequences the costuming was beyond beautiful folks like i it was it it really felt like you were transported to these places and and with that being said, I'm not sure if any liberties were taken because uh, I'm not a, you know, historian or anything like that. But 
even Sheba's uh, Sheba's courtyard was beautifully rendered and it had this glow and this warmth. And I, I loved all of the flashbacks. And I feel as though that white hotel room that we talked about that is there for, you know, a good third or almost half of the film was contradicted with these flashback stories where you had these rich environments, you know, and, and not necessarily rich in the sense of bright colors or anything like that. They typically stayed with like earth, earthen tones, browns, golds, but it's the mix of them and how they applied them in, in, in the camera setup and everything that, is what was beautiful. I mean, even the instrument piece that, oh man, I just forgot his name. The, the Sheba's quarter. I apologize. I definitely <laughs> King Solomon. That was the name. Yeah. King Solomon. Great idea for like his instruments looked amazing. The earrings that some of the, um, concubines wore, the hair of Sheba was amazing. And yeah, I, it was, it felt like a story. If that makes sense. It felt like, you know, if somebody sits down and, and reads you a story and is well-written and what you see in your head, that's what I feel they accomplish with those flashback scenes and what have you. So, yeah, that's uh, my production design business stuff. <laughs> so I want to go into lighting, man. The, uh, the lighting helped sell those those flashback stories that I told that we spoke of before. And the flashbacks, a lot of them had this golden aura that bathed everybody in this, once again, this almost story time feeling of it gave it gave the, the whole film, the flashbacks when Jen was telling his stories, this warm organic but also fairy tale like feel like when he was there watching Solomon and Sheba go at it and they're bathed in gold and just the way the lighting reflects off of so what I want to say is being African American as well I feel as though they're there have been shows and instances where you watch a show or movie and I feel as though lighting African-American or black skin may be, I don't know, maybe harder for some people to grasp. And I don't mean that as a dig at anybody, but I do feel like I said, as a black man, if I'll watch some stuff and I, it's like, okay, well, that, well, the black guy or black woman is not lit very well, but everybody else is, yay. But this film did an amazing, amazing job lighting everybody. And Idris Elba is of a darker complexion, as well as the actress who played Sheba. And their skin was popping, man. Like, it was... It was, it was nice. It was hitting. It it glowed. It you know, especially the Sheba. Now I get the Sheba character was supposed to be because that fairy tale kind of feel was definitely supposed to glow. But even the non fairy tale sections, I just feel as though they just it was so well lit, so well done. The lighting on this show is bravo, man, bravo. Well done, guys. Uh, and so you know, we're talking about lighting. Let's get into some of our camera work. Now I do feel. As though, hmm, I feel as though the camera work in this, I definitely felt it a lot more than some films. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. This is Miller we're talking about, right? So 
you know, you're, I think you're, that's going to kind of come with it. But the moves that did occur, I didn't hate them. I didn't hate them. You know, I didn't. Th- they were part of the storytelling that I feel gave this whole film a fairy tale feel, a otherworldly feel. So, I, I the camera moves are like, oh, okay, that's a camera move. You're moving that because that's that's sexy. That's a nice look. But it still helped serve the story. It wasn't unnecessary. I didn't watch a camera move and like, oh, why'd you do this? You just you just being fancy for fancy's sake, you know? I don't know. So yeah, camera work was well done. It was any of the more not extreme, but you know, the bigger camera moves were definitely I felt definitely helped to serve the story. So yeah. I'm sorry. I was just thinking about this production design again. <laughs> I just it's so good. Uh-huh. The greens and anyway. So yeah. So yeah. The lighting the 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 lighting was amazing. The camera work and they both served each other so well. And especially because I was interested in how they were going to do the gin. And I'm happy they didn't paint him blue. <laughs> Oh man, that Will Smith movie. Uh, uh, and uh, anyway, I you know the director, you know, Guy Ritchie's such a good director, and I feel like that that Latin movie was definitely his weakest film I've ever seen. It was, anywho. So back to this one. I was wondering how they were going to do the gin, and I like how they used the the camera work to imply his power his stature and size and i loved how they did it because i while i was watching the film there were moments where idris's character was almost a whole head taller than tilda than alethea the gin was taller than alethea so and this is i'm 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 talking about practical not the cgi stuff when he was in there i mean when he himself is in there and she's 5'11", he's 6'2". That's the difference of only three inches. So the, a lot of the camera work was to imply his size was well done and it didn't feel off or forced. And yeah, I I really enjoyed the shots that they 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 chose, especially in the hotel room. They were like, it was just cool. It was cool. And speaking of the CGI, you know, the CGI didn't. I was I was wondering how they were going to do it. I assumed there weren't going to be a lot of CGI, but they chose to do kind of a smoke vapory kind of look and feel. But it wasn't lost. (laughs) It wasn't like ABC's lost the smoke monster, because that's what I thought might end up happening. But I feel as though what they chose, this kind of particle smokiness and they mentioned something about electromagnetism so i don't know if they incorporated all that into the cgi characteristics of the the character's movement but i thought it was nicely done and utilizing the camera work and camera angles is what really helped sell the scale of the gin so yeah well done man now Oh, man. Let's talk about story and acting. So, Alethea played by Tilda Swinton and the Jin played by Idris Elba. I'm telling y'all. And if you listen to my last episode during intermission, I love these two actors so much. So much. It's ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) It's ridiculous. And I watched this film. Not knowing that the film essentially more or less was a two-hander. So, and for any of those who don't, uh, who aren't filmmakers or don't follow film or what have you, two-hander is essentially like when it's two actors just acting, you know. Now, it was a little bit more than two-hander because you had the occasional, you know, supporting actor 
pop in or what have you. But for for me, I would consider it damn near a two hander. And these two talking in the hotel room had me sorry. I was like I was enthralled by this by a conversation even before they started the flashbacks by a conversation because they're in this hotel room acting their asses off like it was amazing just to see them do their stuff i love tilda swinton because no matter what she does her eyes always have this childlike enthusiasm i think that's what i want to i think that's the word to say a childlike enthusiasm but behind her eyes like they're always excited like something is like happening you know is is this <gasps> that sparkle or that discovery of the first time every time i see tilda and idris with his i don't i haven't seen the film where he's delivering dialogue quickly you know it's always slow and purposeful and i think this part of his allure you know other than you know his accent and everything else it is and the graveliness of his voice it's it's his delivery is it's slow so it pulls you in you know and i once again listening to these two was ah uh, it look for actors and filmmakers sorry i'm getting lost thinking about it guys uh you just even if you just watch that whole I I I, I want to watch this again so I can watch the hotel scene because it's like almost a master class in in not only acting but also camera work and blocking and how two people talking in the hotel room doesn't get boring you know even with the flashbacks built in so yeah. Oh man, their acting was phenomenal. Now everybody else acting was also enjoyable, enjoyable as well. But these two, the the pain and the misery that his character was having, I I feel as though so Jen D G I and and you know everybody knows genies or three wishes and blah blah blah. But then of course there's a thing, there's a couple things I believe if I'm not incorrect where. Yeah, they might grant you wish, but they might trick you or they might be kind of evil or what have you. And in fact, Alethea, Alethea brought it up a couple of times that, oh, no, you guys are tricksters. And in this particular thing, his character, at least, who seemingly comes from a race of gins, is not a trickster. And you can tell that you can feel it in his performance, especially in that hotel room where he's telling these stories from his past, from the past, you know, well, 3000 years. Uh, and I thought that was so. It, it just it just had this way of drawing you in. So their acting keeps you invested in that almost to the point that the flashbacks, which I adored because the production design for the flashbacks and the camera work for the flashbacks is just is a beautiful movie. Just beautiful. But honestly, I. I just want to see them. I want to see them work. You know, I just want to see them do their acting thing. The diversity in this cast was really cool, man. Like really cool. I was, uh, I was blown away by the diversity from this. And I'm, I'm not going to try to guess or say, you know, some of these, a lot of the names that are in here, but the cast was so the casting felt right, you know, for the most part. It, nothing felt too out of place. Even the Golden character, uh, she was Turkish. I think she's actually Turkish in real life or something like that. So it's just so cool, you know. And I also think it was a really cool little thing that there was sometimes during the dialogue where a character would be would speak in their native in the native tongue of that area and they wouldn't translate it. I thought that was nice. Thought that was cool. I was like, okay. Awesome. I get I can get behind that. 
They used multiple languages. That was cool. And Idris Elba's wife was in there. I don't think she had any lines, but she definitely um, screwed the prince. <laughs> she got that man killed, man. But uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed, man, I it was so cool just to see all this, all this flavors. You know, I, I feel like this is a dish this film was a dish right like a seven course dish where you you got to sample different pieces and i think that's cool because of the flashbacks supposedly taking place in these areas that it should be diverse and i feel as though they didn't have to go that way or they probably especially in um older hollywood or whatever may not have necessarily gone that way but I liked it. It was cool. It was refreshing. It was nice. I feel like this was a fairy tale. And I mean that in a good way. I feel as though Alethea's character was or has been searching because of her loneliness, you know, and, she, and a couple of times she mentioned the way her brain works, which I took it as to me, maybe she's super analytical and not very emotional. That's kind of was the, my understandings or what I thought she meant by that. So she was searching for a companion and she kind of found companionship in her books because they don't require emotional. Hmm emotional what's that word i'm looking for they don't, they don't require emotional love and attention and everything else so they're just here to help and guide her and to nourish her and i feel as though that's why she got kind of really stuck into the books and she was looking for companionship and i also feel as though his character the Jin character as well was looking for companionship because he might have had it with Sheba initially, but ever since Sheba has been kind of gone, he probably gave up on it for, you know, the was it 2500 uh, years he was in the damn ocean. <laughs> so imagine if you were in love with somebody and not only was that love taken away by the Solomon character, but then because of his love, he was trapped away. So for 2500 years. You can't die. You can't sleep. You probably see the face of, you know, how, how many times is that, does that sequence play out in your head over and over again? So, yeah, longing for companionship. And he was alone 2,500 years. And, yeah, he's a djinn. He's magical. But us as humans generally don't do well with solitude. It's not. It's not a thing. And, and I'm a bit of an introvert myself, so I do like my silence and I like being alone from time to time. But forced solitude for long periods of time does not bode well for us humans. And I'm assuming that maybe it's akin with the gin, that same kind of deal. So them finding each other was kind of, you know, serendipitous. The Alethea character being alone for so long and the Jin's character being alone for a long time. Um, and it was a nice touch that they found each other. And it's in a sense, she freed him from the bottle, but then he freed her to. I don't know, trust in herself a little bit more because I feel as though she this is my opinion like she kind of got lost in her books in her reading you know and not necessarily living life whereas the djinn who's lived for 3,000 years has lived for 3,000 years now granted he was you know he was trapped for 2,500 but he still has these stories about love, about traveling, because, you know, when he would get out, then he would go learn about the world that he was in right now. So these stories essentially made or helped him to be alive, more alive than she 
even though his life lasts a lot longer, her life being a human is much more fleeting, but she wasn't really, really living. And the Jin character broke her out of that, allowing her to live a little bit more, in my opinion. So I think that was a nice touch. Definitely, definitely nice touch. And at the end, like, is it romantic love or has it transcended that? You know, because she essentially freed him to wherever he is from, whatever, but he came back to see. So is a companionship love now, you know, that what, what is that love that you, um, man, you know, when you don't necessarily need anything back, you just it just is. I can't think of that word. It's going to come to me, maybe, hopefully. Um, but it's like it's just uncompromised and they're both free now. So he's literally, literally free. And it's because of her, but she's also free because of him. Thank you guys for listening. Go watch 3000 Years of Long. It was amazing. I enjoyed it. Man, I, I enjoy this podcast every time I do it just because I, I, I'm experiencing films. Now, nah, I probably would have eventually watched this film no matter what, just because of who's involved. But it is making me this podcast is making me reach out a little bit more. And because I don't want every week to be another horror movie. Another, I mean, we're doing it in, in Horrortober, but I want to change up and see different stuff and then learn once again as a filmmaker and as an actor this is the last episode for our first month if you listen to all of these episodes thank you so much <laughs> thank you for sticking around october is going to be um hopefully awesome horror movies can go back and go one way or the other they can be really good or can be really bad so next next week um next month is going to be kind of up in the air so we'll see do me a favor, guys. Go out here into this world. All of us have some kind of talent. You know, it doesn't matter. It might be drawing, might be storytelling, like the Jin's character, or writing, like Alethea's character, or the character who created all the technological stuff. I can't think of her name. She, uh, Zephyr? Anyway, his second uh, love, the Jin's second love. But go out there, man. Create something. Give back. It doesn't matter. It's your voice. It's your art. No one can do what you do. So go create art. Share it with the world. Because art is love, guys. Thank you for listening. Man. Was it Zephyr? Zephyr? Zephyr. Zephyr. I'm overthinking it. Zephyr. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>